So in our last lesson, we talked about living with contentment, overflowing with contentment. That discontentment leads to all kinds of problems in uh, this life. And not only does it lead to problems in this life, but we saw that it also warns us that it will draw us away uh, from the Lord with many pains and sorrows and piercing us through with griefs. Uh, pictures of why it is so important for us to put our trust in God. This final paragraph of 1 Timothy continues that very thing. I have the text wrong on the screen. That's going to be verses 11 through 21 uh, of chapter 6, a continuation from this prior paragraph. And it continues our overflow series and how we are to be overflowing then with contentment and overflowing with generosity. Uh, These two really work together as we're going to see, because as you notice in verse 11 of 1 Timothy 6, it says, as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Well, flee what? Well, flee the whole prior paragraph that we talked about last week, which was this desire for more and more. This is the warning that he gave, wanting them to realize you need to run away from discontentment. To see the danger of this desire for more, the desire to accumulate, the desire for possessions. We talked about last time how it says it is the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. It is the desire itself. Rather than pursuing God, this desire for more becomes this dangerous threat. And what I want us to see in where we're going in this text is if you will notice in verse 18, as was just read for us a moment ago, it says there in verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. This is the where he's going in all of this. Notice all of the generosity that is pictured there, that we are doing good. Rich in good works. We are generous and ready to share. Well, how do we get to that outcome? How can we be those kinds of people so that we are overflowing with that kind of generosity? And notice Paul is beginning by saying, you need to run away from discontentment. It's going to require contentment to begin to be generous people. If we're always desiring more and we are constantly discontent with our circumstances and with our blessings and with our wealth, we cannot be the generous people that God has called us to be. So rather than running to discontentment, he wants us to run from them. And the rest of verse 11, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. When it comes to any kind of sin, there is always this balance that is not enough to just not do something. Paul doesn't say, all right, flee discontentment, flee the desire for more, and then you're going to be good. You have to run from one thing and run to something else, something good. So notice he says, I want you to flee these things, flee the love of money, flee discontentment, don't be that. And instead, I want you to pursue, run to, chase after righteousness, faith, love, 
godliness, endurance. These are the things that he is pushing us to run after, which shows us something very important that he observes in verse 12, is that ultimately what this is going to be is a fight. He says to Timothy, fight the good fight. We are embroiled in a battle, a war for our hearts and for our minds. And there is a choice that needs to be made. It is a choice between are we going to pursue this world, this life, these riches, these possessions, chasing and chasing and chasing, or are we going to pursue God? Chasing faith, chasing love, chasing gentleness, chasing endurance. It is a choice and every day that is a battle that ultimately is within us. Think about how many times we talk about one of the reasons why the pursuit of God is a challenge is because we are such physical people. Because these things are tangible And we see them and touch them. But God and eternity and the eternal riches of heaven are not seen and not touched. It is so easy to pursue what we see. That's what Paul is always telling us about. Faith is always about what you can't see. It's always the unseen. Do not hope in what you can see. But in the unseen and for for the Apostle Paul here to say, this is the fight that we are fighting. This is the good fight that we are ultimately engaged in this battle for our souls. And it is a battle of the physical versus the spiritual, the material here versus the eternity to come, that we would see that our lives through that lens, that there is a fight that we have. And that ultimately, as the rest of verse 12 says, take hold of eternal life to which you were called, which how many times do I have to say to you, would love to do a whole other sermon on a whole just a sentence. There's one right here. You were called to take hold of eternal life. That's what Paul just said. You're here so that you would live your life with the goal in mind of reaching out and grabbing eternal life. That's your purpose. That's what your aim is. That's your goal. That's the target. Fight the good fight. Reach for eternal life. Reach for the eternal blessings. Don't reach for this world. The things that are temporary. The things that disappear. The things that are here today and gone tomorrow. The things that ultimately do not satisfy like we observed last week. But to take hold of what is truly valuable, pursue the things of God. And I think it is interesting how that sentence ends when he says in verse 12, take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Or think about that. Part of the picture of our confession, of when we are proclaiming that Jesus is the King, that He is our Lord, that He is our Savior, He is our Master, what is implied in that confession is that we are setting aside 
this realm, this life, and this earth. And we are pursuing our true King Jesus. And all that comes with eternity and all that He has promised to us. It's interesting that He puts that together. I want you to fight the good fight. And take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And about which you made a confession. Interesting. Timothy, what were you confessing? Well, the whole essence of the confession is about who Christ is. What you see in verse 13, where we're told there that here Christ, he made before Pontius Pilate the good confession. What did Christ confess before Pilate? I am the king. (laughs) I'm king. Yeah, you are a king. So you say. And to this I have come to proclaim that message, to proclaim that testimony. And we are making the same proclamation, the same declaration that as Christians, we are not going to run to this world. We are going to run to our Lord and Savior. When we run to this world, then stuff is king, right? Now it's what matters. Now it's in charge. It's our value. It's our hope. And it's our desire. And so this is the first picture that he gives here is if we are going to live generously. Look at where you run. Are you running to stuff, running to things, running toward more discontentment, hoping to be satisfied by the things of this world? Or are you living the confession, fighting the good fight? Running to Jesus, seeing Him as all satisfying. That is the first step toward generosity. The second is a warning, which is given in verse 17. Verse 17. As for the rich in this present age. Okay, let's stop there because we better deal with that. Because we talked about last week. If I read, all right, as for the rich in the present age, that's not me. That's Bill Gates, right? That's the dude who runs Amazon. That's the guy who's got Apple and Google. But it's certainly not me. I'm not rich. But remember, Paul already shattered that a few verses ago, right? Remember, he told us, what will we be content with? A million dollars and lots of... No, with food and clothing, we will be content And so we just kind of ask the question, do we have more than that? Okay, we're rich. All right, we're all in the rich category right here. We're all in. As for the rich in this present age. So Paul is writing to me and to you. And here's his big warning in verse 17. Charge them not to be arrogant, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Do you find that warning interesting? Here's what I'm going to tell all of you, those who have. I do not want you to become arrogant. And I do not want you to set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Why do riches cause that? Ever thought about that? What an interesting warning to say. Because notice he doesn't say everybody. The destitute are not a concern here. He says those who have. Those who are rich in this present age. 
Be careful. Here's the warning. Don't be arrogant. Well, how am I going to be arrogant, Paul? What am I supposed to be concerned about? Well, I think the warning of arrogance would be fairly clear. Because what happens when we have any kind of prosperity? What happens is we believe it's because I'm so smart. I made good decisions. I'm well educated. I did. I worked. I thought it was me. It was me. It was me. It was me. Look at me. And anybody else, you were just dumb, but I was so smart. And you didn't work hard, but I worked hard. And you didn't do, but I... And that's what we do, is we become arrogant. I did it. I was smart. I accomplished it. It was all about me. And notice what you see Paul say to blow that apart. When he says, charge them not to be arrogant or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Why? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Why do you have what you have? Because God gave it to you. That's why. You know, there's a lot of ways to work really, really hard and get absolutely nothing out of it. And we've probably all experienced it. (laughs) You can be super smart and end up with nothing. You can work really hard and have absolutely nothing. The reason why any of us have what we have is because God has richly given it to us. So he says, don't be arrogant. You can't be arrogant. Don't think I have stuff because it's all about me and I did and I worked and I thought and I did all that. He says, it's only because God gave it to you. You have what you have right now and you enjoy what you have right now because God has given it to you. And so he warns them, do not be arrogant. And second warning, Don't set your hope on this stuff. We mentioned that last week. What always happens when you set your hope on riches, it seems to disappear. That's when something breaks. That's when something goes wrong. As soon as you think that you can put your hope on it, that's when it walks a little bit further away. That's when it disappears. That's when it vanishes. And he says, don't do that. God is the one who is providing. God is the one who's giving you what you need. So don't be proud. And don't put your hope on it. And that becomes the catalyst to what verse 18 is going to get to us now. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous. Ready to share. You see how generosity becomes possible when I'm not running to stuff, but to God, seeing that everything I have is from God. You see, when I lose sight of that, I'm not going to be generous. I'm going to think about me and all my stuff and all my hard work, and it's all about me. But when I take a step back and realize it's all from God, that God has richly blessed me, now I am able to become generous. And this is the point that is being made here, that we are to enjoy everything. Look at the end of verse 17. These are provided for us with everything to enjoy. So what's to be the outcome? It's given to us so that we will do good. It's given to us 
so that they will be generous and so that will be ready to share. The Apostle Paul said the same thing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in verse 8, notice what he tells the Corinthians there in 2 Corinthians 9. and verse 8, he tells them, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, what will you do? That you will abound in every good work. God has given to us, so we are sufficient, so that we will do exactly what Paul is writing to Timothy and writing to the Corinthians. That we will do good, that we'll be generous, that we'll be ready to share. That we would do something with what God has richly blessed us with. Keep reading as it is written. He has distributed freely and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now listen, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now he really draws the line here. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So that we can, you know, sit in couches and do nothing. <laughs> so we can just take our ease and say, look at my big barns that I built. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us is to produce thanksgiving to God. You hear what God is trying to tell us? I'm the one who gives to you so that you will do good with it so that God will be glorified by it. I'm going to give you things. I'm going to make you sufficient. I'm going to give you the blessings of this life. I'm going to let you enjoy prosperity. But I don't want that goodness to terminate on you. I want you to then turn those blessings to other people. And I want you to do good works with those things. I want you to do good with them. Not sin and evil. And I want you to be generous and be ready to share. Because I've given it to you. And by you doing those good things, God can be glorified with thanksgiving. This is something that you see was just a few verses earlier in that section where the Apostle Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If we're not going to use what God has given us for His purpose and to do good and proclaim the majesty of God, why is God going to give us more to do with any of it? That's the context of that quote. If you're not doing what God has asked you to do with it, then don't think that God's going to give you more of it. That's the whole point of what the Apostle Paul is saying. And so I think it's important then with that context and with what you see being described here. Verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. That we would ask this question then. 
what good works am I doing based on what God has given me? Has God given us a job? Then what are we doing? That is showing the good works of God and is doing good because God has blessed us with that job. Has God given us possessions? God given us wealth? And what are we going to do with what God has given us so that we are able to do good, to show good works, to be generous and ready to share? What good works are we going to do from all of these things? What I want us to consider and truly see is that in all the possessions and wealth and blessings and jobs and all that we enjoy, all that we experience, all the good that God has given to us, that we would see then that ultimately generous living is going to really overflow when we run away from discontentment. And really hold on to the truth that God has given us every little and big thing that we have. Because the sooner that I see that God has given it to me, then it's a lot easier for me to do good and be generous and share with others. But when I look at it and say, well, it's mine. I did this. And I'm not going to give it to you. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. You see, generous living really stems off of seeing that God has given it to us and that I can be content in my circumstances and that what God is doing is blessing me so that I can do more and that I can share more, that I would be able to do good to people. It's probably a, a good time in our in our country to just be doing good for people. And we need to be Christians who are just standing up and doing good and proclaiming the goodness of God and giving thanks to God that the reason we're doing good is because of God, because He's blessed us. We need people to hear that and see that in our lives, that we don't fall into the trap of this world of it's my stuff and my things and it's all about me. We've got plenty of that in the world. We can be a light by being generous, doing good works, being ready to share. But why does it matter? (laughs) I like when Paul answers all of the questions that come to my mind as I read this. And he does that throughout this section. Well, why should we do that? Why can't I just enjoy my stuff? And what does it really matter, Paul? Look at verse 19. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You might remember that Jesus talked about the need to lay up or store up treasures in heaven. Not on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves can steal, but to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Have you ever asked, how do you do that? Notice Paul gives you one answer right here. That when you take what God has given you and you do good, you do good works, you are generous, 
and you are ready to share. He says you are storing up treasures in eternity. This is an important way that we lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven because our generosity is showing. It's showing a number of things. But one of the biggest things it's showing us is that it's not this world that we treasure. This stuff doesn't matter. We don't care about these things. I care about treasure in heaven. I care about eternity with God. This is just stuff. It's going to break soon. The things that I have that I think are so valuable are not valuable when compared to eternity. And so generosity shows that. That God has given it to me. And my hope is not in riches. My hope is not in stuff. It is a proclamation that God is the giver of it. That's one of the greatest ways we, we proclaim that God gave it to us is through good works and generosity. We show that we believe God gave it to us when we're willing to give, when we're willing to share, when we're willing to do good works because of all the blessings that we enjoy. And to tie it to the prior paragraph, generosity really does reveal contentment. Generosity really does reveal contentment. Because you're able to say, I don't need that. You have it. It's just stuff. You use it. Or I will use it not for my own purpose, but to do good for somebody else. I'll spend money so that I can do a good work for somebody who needs it and serve them and help them. We're showing that we can be content with what we have. It it just reveals it. Generosity is absolutely stymied in discontentment. And ultimately, generosity shows that we know that that's God's purpose for why we have it. We're able to tell God, I know why you gave me these things. So do good with it. It is always fascinating to me, being a parent, how easy it is to see this dynamic of what God desires out of us as his children, when you think about it in a physical parental child dynamic. Can you imagine having your little children and you give them something and they're just like, I can't let anybody use this or share it because I don't know if my parents are ever going to give me another thing the rest of my life. And so I am going to squeeze this and crush it because I just don't believe God that that, that my parents will ever give me another thing. You would be like, what kind of parent do you think I am? What's the matter with you, kid? I'll give you some other stuff. Just share that. Some other kids use it too. We, we get it on a physical level. Then we come to, come to God and go, this is all my stuff. God's not going to give me anything else. I don't know how God's going to possibly take care of me if I do good with this. And I'm generous. God's not going to take care of me anymore. We're doing the exact same thing. 
That's why Paul gives the warning. Don't, don't be arrogant. God gave it to you. Do not set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. God will supply what you need. Now, these things have been given to us so that we would be generous. It's a whole different perspective on how to look at wealth and how to overflow with generosity. As we conclude, I want to flip it to the other side of the coin of why it matters. If we are unwilling to be generous, unwilling to do good works with the stuff that we have, then please consider the conclusion that must be drawn from that. My hope rests on the uncertainty of riches and not on God. An unwillingness to be generous should be a flag within us. It should tell us something. When we have those moments where we can do good and that we can share and do the right thing and there is resistance within us, then ultimately this should be a flag that is waving before our face and saying, maybe it's not that I hope in God, I'm hoping in my stuff. And perhaps more strongly, what we are thinking is that God's not going to provide us in the future. Do we really believe that God has given us everything that we have up to this point? Do we really believe that God has cared for us and given us everything we need? So that is why we stand here today as we are. He has provided for us through thick and thin prosperity and adversity, good times and bad times, good jobs and bad jobs and no jobs. He's helped us every bit of the way. Do we really believe that God has been behind that and with us through that every step of the way? Because if we do, it's a lot easier to be generous and do good works. If we don't, then really what we are saying to God is, I got myself here, not you. I did this, not you. I want to encourage us with the words of verse 12. Fight the good fight. This is a battle. This is an internal war over the physical and the spiritual, the now and the eternity. And I dare say every day we got to fight this fight. Every day remember, I have because God gave. Do never lose sight of it's not mine, it's God's. And only then will we be able to be content, do good works, be generous, and be ready to share. It's the only way it's going to happen. The only way we'll flow with those qualities and those attributes is to truly believe what Paul has warned us here about. Do not put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Do not be arrogant. 
but put your hope on God. And if if you mark in your Bibles, would you highlight those final words of verse 17? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it is so easy for us to forget that you richly provide and bless us with everything that we have. You have given us our clothes. You've given us our food. You've given us vehicles. You've given us money. You've given us places to live. You've given us jobs. You have given us all throughout our lives. And somehow and in some way, you have provided for us. Lord, forgive us for when we have forgotten that. Forgive us when we have had our times of arrogance to think that it was us. Forgive us for believing it was our talent, our ability, our hard work, or any of that, because you were the one that gave us our abilities and our bodies and the ability to do hard work and our talents. God, forgive us. When we have not been generous, when we have not done good works with the things that you have blessed us with, when we've been unwilling to do good and share to those who need, Lord, we pray that you would expand our hearts. Expand our hearts to be content with not only what you have given us, but to be content with far less. With food and clothing, we'd be content, Lord. Help us to have those hearts. And Lord, help us to have far more generous hearts. Open our hearts so that we would want to give. Lord, we pray that you would work that within us. Transform our hearts. And Lord, we pray then that we would see the clarity of eternity. Help us to see far more clearly how important the treasures of eternity are. Help us to value those things in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, help us to see how much it would be worth to give up these temporary things for eternity with you. Lord, help us to lay up treasures in heaven. Lord, we pray that we would make wise decisions with how you've blessed us and that we would do so in such a way to show that we thank you and that you are glorified in all that we have and all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.